What's going on, y'all? Out there, denizens of the internet, I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Positively Cynical Podcast. What is up, y'all? Happy weekend. Happy Sunday. Happy whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, I am Jose. What's up, y'all? Introduce yourself, my friend. What's up, everyone? Question here. How's it going? It's going all right, I guess. Um, We're going to do a little bit of what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks and try to follow the news a little bit today with this topic. But first, the normal disclaimers, the shit that you don't really care to hear a lot about. Uh, We are recording remotely. I'm using some AirPods this week, and we were having some technical difficulties before the podcast. So if there are any audio issues or artifacts or any other problems with the audio, please let us know. Uh, You can check us out on our social media platforms at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, uh, wherever the hell you find your social media. You can hashtag us Positively Cynical or hashtag Positively Cynical Podcast. I will take you to all of our social media. I will take you to all of our web pages. And that will take you to all of the platforms, all of the podcasting platforms where we all are available. So when you get to those platforms, like, rate, share, and subscribe our podcast, and especially on Apple Podcasts, please, 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 please rate our podcast. That is the best way to help out one of your favorite podcast crews to grow uh, and get more listeners and get a bigger audience. Let's see if today's episode does that because, I mean, shit, there ain't there ain't really much else in the news right now over the last couple of days. And we had a thought of doing something else for this week's episode, and we'll get to it. Uh, it's probably going to be somewhere in the opposite vein of this week's episode. But as those of you who clicked on this episode are no doubt aware, we're going to be talking about Kyle Rittenhouse this week. We're going to get into the trial. We're going to get into some of those legal implications. And we're going to get into what I think is a little bit more important than just what happened legally in this trial. We're going to get into the societal social implications of the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict um, in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. So yeah, here we are, question. We are, what, two or three days removed from that verdict? They deliberated for, I think, two days before they reached the verdict, if I'm not mistaken? Thereabouts. Thereabouts. Uh, So for those of you who are living under a rock... And don't know what the hell we're talking about. I'm assuming you you jumped into this episode because you have an opinion one way or the other about this. But Kyle Rittenhouse uh, is a young man, 17 years of age at the time in 2020. uh, After the shooting of Jacob Blake, another black man shot at the hands of the police in this incident. Again, for those of you who are living under a rock, Jacob Blake uh, was shot by the police as he was getting into a vehicle. Um, there is some evidence that he had a knife on him. There is some evidence that he was physically threatening some of the people, uh, on the property. Uh, but the police took it in upon themselves to shoot Jacob Blake in the back, um, as he was reaching for whatever it was that he was reaching for in the vehicle. Um, so regardless of what your opinion is on that, okay, that could be a whole other topic of conversation. We always like to say that here on the podcast, we could always talk about that ad nauseum. Um, but he was shot in the black, in the, in the, in the black, he was definitely shot in the black and in the back, 
several several times by the police, and there were a huge number of protests, both worldwide and in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is where this incident took place. Um, Kenosha, Wisconsin, being where the incident of Jacob Blake took place, and Kenosha being where this incident took place. Um, essentially, there were protests again, protesting the shooting of another unarmed black man or armed black man, whatever, whatever you want to say the, the details of the case are. It, it, it is fairly not disputed that he had a knife in his possession. Um, but as always, there is kind of a disconnect, or at least there's a disconnect that's viewed by by most people in that if he were a white boy holding a knife, he probably would not have been shot by the police. So that takes us to the protests in Kenosha. Um, you know, there was rioting, there was some rioting, there was some, a lot of peaceful protesting, but there were some property, some property and some buildings were burned down and damaged. Uh, and what occurred essentially is that members of militias, um, took it upon themselves to go to Kenosha and police the situation. Um, one young man who was not a member of any militia, that being Kyle Rittenhouse, walked into Kenosha that night with an AR-15 with the intent to defend property, or that can be disputed, disputed depending on whether you're the prosecution or the defense, with the intent to defend um, the town of Kenosha where his father lived um, and near where he worked from what he saw as violent rioters, violent protesters, people burning down and destroying the town. He claimed to be an EMT. Uh, and he claimed to go there both for self-defense and to help people who had been who had been injured in the protests. And in the midst of all of this, um, at, at one point in the evening, he was chased down by a gentleman named Joseph Rosenbaum, who he shot four times and killed. Um, he was then chased down and attacked by another gentleman named Anthony Huber, who he also shot and killed. And then finally... Um, the third person involved in this incident, or you should say the fourth person, um, he shot and severely injured Gabe Grosskreutz, who was a gentleman who went to approach and allegedly said he was there to help the gentleman who had been shot by Mr. Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, but he had all, he also had a gun of his own, and that's something that obviously is gonna is gonna come up in the conversation that we have about this today. Uh, of course, there was a trial and there was an attempt by the prosecution uh, to put Mr. Rittenhouse in jail for the crime of murder, which was probably never going to happen for the prime, the crime of possessing a weapon as a minor. He was 17 years old at the time of this incident. Um, and as we'll see, that's going to tie into this, too, because gun lords in Wisconsin and Illinois are kind of fucking complicated. With all that background, let's uh, let's open up the floor. Why don't you give me a couple of your initial thoughts, if you could, for me question. What's going on in your mind today after seeing that verdict? Not necessarily whether the young man is guilty or not, but what's going through your head beyond that? Well, uh, Ken Sam is surprised at the outcome because I really wasn't. Um, I guess there were, I guess to me, a couple of telltale signs that it wasn't going to go the outright murder route. Um, a, when the jury asks to have more clearance on the, or clarity on the, 
uh, on the charges that uh, Rittenhouse was being accused of, uh, you figured right then and there wasn't so open and shut for the jury as far as uh, them finding him guilty just in general. You figured that it wouldn't be straight up okay they're throwing the book at him. You figured that he would have gotten off on some charges when you heard that. Um, be- so here's the, here's the charges against him. Let's clarify that. Um, he has one account of first degree reckless homicide and use of a dangerous weapon. The uh, second charge against him was first degree recklessly endangering safely and use of a dangerous weapon. The third, the second count, I suppose, uh, since there were there were a couple of incidents of violence that evening, a, a second count of first degree recklessly endangering safety and use of a dangerous weapon. Then first degree intentional homicide, again, use of a dangerous weapon. The fifth count against him attempted first degree intentional homicide, again, use of a dangerous weapon. And since there were two deaths that evening, the counts are being done in twos. And of course, we also have possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18 and failure to comply with an emergency order from state or local governments. Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted of all everything of the above charges all of the above charges and so like tell me a little bit more about what you mean and what you felt when you're talking about the jury having to get clarification on these specific charges what do you mean by that well as far as it not being an open and shut case to a jury for them mm-hmm. to say that this kid fled out shot i mean I, i'm not saying that it was cold-blooded murder that rittenhouse did but mm-hmm. i don't know if self-defense to me is a claim that he could make with a straight face, I guess. I mean, something it was, I understand where he's coming from as far as fearing for his safety, given the situation. But when you literally walk into a situation, he walked into this situation. Nobody asked him to save them. Nobody said, Hey, you know, who would really make this situation a lot safer and a lot better? Kyle Rittenhouse. Hey, where is he? Let's get him up from Illinois and bring him up to Wisconsin. He'll save the day. Who is asking for him to be there? You walked into a situation looking for trouble, essentially, even if you're saying that it's in the name of protecting and serving and being a paramedic or whatever the hell his excuse was. Once you heard the jury say, hey, can you clarify exactly what these charges are? That was kind of uh-oh moment number one to me. Like, what um, did we do again? What, what are you doing? I mean, I'm and I'm coming at this from an angle of, yeah, this this kid is guilty. I, I again, not of outright murder at the very least manslaughter. I, you know, I mean, maybe there is something to the fact that the way that the well, the charges against him might not have been the best. That's something we can go into in a little bit. But um, that what else was there? Gee, hmm, the judge. Um, a lot of people had a lot to say about the judge as far as his attitude towards the media, his attitude towards the prosecution. Uh, in some circles, he was referred to as the 13th juror. And some people would say that he essentially, for lack of a better way of saying it, stacked the deck against the prosecution in order for Rittenhouse to, I wouldn't say get off, but at least to look a little more favorable in the eyes of the jury. And when he threw away the weapons charge, um, that was kind of telltale science to me, number two. 
um, regardless of technicality, oh, the length of the barrel of the shotgun, et cetera, et cetera. You're a 17 year old kid carrying a shotgun, a weapon, period, into across state lines that you weren't even old enough to get, mind you. He had to get somebody. He he had to get somebody else to get the weapon, uh, the, the gun for him. So you're lying about your age in order to secure a weapon. You're going across state lines with said weapon in order to help people. But you're going to be there in the in the guise of a paramedic who isn't even trained to be a paramedic, mind you. But you're going to carry a gun. And granted, yes, you can carry a gun for self defense. You can carry a gun for safety. But if you're going to carry a gun into a situation that that's already a powder keg, I mean, what did you expect to find? You know, what 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 was he what was he expecting to find in Wisconsin? I mean, you, you could know? kind of you could say the same about Gabe Grosskreutz, though, couldn't you? You can say the same thing about everybody. Anybody, look, when it comes to guns in general, I'm not the biggest fan of them. I always think that you're kind of looking for trouble when you have a gun, self-defense or no. Um, if you, it's, it's, it's a weapon. It's a weapon of mass destruction. It's a lethal weapon. <laughs> I, if you're, it, I, I want to get to the moral, the moral implications later and how you feel about guns maybe later, actually. I think more what I want to focus on here, if I may, is... The thing of it is, I well, I say all right. that. Well, no, no, I say all that to say, if you're going to carry a gun, chances are you either you and you use it is, you know, there are going to be consequences, and a lot of, and in some instances, you're going to you're going to kill the person that you shoot. There, there are, again, there are consequences to that. No, um, here's the thing, legally, legally there were very few things in this case that you could have convicted Mr. Rittenhouse on, Kyle Rittenhouse. Intentional homicide was never going to happen because unfortunately- Not intentional homicide. Well, unfortunately, that, well, that, was, that was two of the charges, right? Intentional yeah. homicide was two of the charges that was never going to happen. And, you know, the the issue that's kind of at play here is legally he was actually acting in self-defense okay and again we can get into the implications of walking into the situation in the first place later i know how you feel about that and i can't say that i disagree legally however here's what happened in the situation he was legally allowed to defend himself in that situation joseph joseph rosenbaum who evidence showed attacked him first okay the context to that being joseph rosenbaum was mentally ill he had just been released from a mental hospital that morning and if if you needed any further evidence that that is the case um definitely look up the news read the news you'll find out that the plastic bag that he attacked kyle rittenhouse with at first and i'll be fair nobody knows what's in a plastic bag when you throw it at you I kind of get where he's coming home with self-defense in this case, but that plastic bag that he threw at, at Kyle Rittenhouse contained his medication, okay? So Mr. Rosenbaum, who was the first victim, I guess we can't refer to him as a victim, right? That's not an album. We court. can refer to him as a victim. We can refer to him as rioters or protesters. Apparently, that's okay, and that's you know, another issue, that, but I digress. There's a legal problem there, though, because there were there was no point where there were any charges brought against Gabe Grosskreutz, Anthony Huber, or Mr. Rosenbaum for rioting or violence of any kind. So while I actually think that even though the judge was a colorful and strange individual, 
many of the decisions that he made from a legal standpoint were actually somewhat proper. This was not one of them. The decision to not allow the people who were shot by Kyle Rittenhouse to be referred to as victims when in any legal sense of the word, they would be considered victims considering this was a, 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 a case against the young man and he was a defendant. Anybody who he attacks is a victim, an alleged victim, perhaps, but a victim nonetheless. The other thing about it is you talk about like barrel lengths and all that, uh, all that kind of other stuff. Um, so the law in Illinois is, yes, in Illinois, he is not allowed to purchase or possess that weapon under the age of 18, uh, unless he gets something called an FOID card, which allows him to possess certain weapons or use weapons at a younger age. In Wisconsin, the way that the law works there is essentially you are not allowed to purchase a gun if you're under 18 and you're not allowed to use a gun under 18 if it is a short barreled variant. So a short barreled shotgun or a short barreled rifle are not weapons that somebody under 18 can use in Wisconsin. A long barreled rifle, which is more deadly than a short barreled rifle, so that always kind of makes me pause a little bit, is legal for somebody to use in Wisconsin. However, there's a little confusion in the way that this law works because technically he was supposed to have been with an adult in order to handle that weapon. So essentially throwing out that gun charge was for me the biggest sign that there wasn't going to be any kind of any any kind of it was going to be acquitted essentially from that moment onward. So legally in a sense he there was really nothing to get him on other than recklessly endangering safety and perhaps possessing a weapon as a minor. None of those, those aspects of intentional homicide were ever going to work in this case because of the situation as it was and because of the fact that whatever you be, believe about bringing a gun to the situation, he was not the aggressor in any of those, any of those conflicts. I mean... No, I, I understand. I mean... I get it. Intentional homicide wasn't something you're going to get them on. Um, but I just, I don't know. You, you bring a gun to a fight and, you know, it, you use it. I understand what you're saying as far as, okay, you know, he's running and some dude throws a bag at him. Well, you don't know what's first, in the bag. The I understand. Incident, the first incident was not him running away from anything. Let's, let me make sure that we get this right because I want to be as as fair well, as possible all right. to all parties. The first incident was was Mr. <laughs> Rosenbaum approaching him unprovoked. Kyle Rittenhouse was not doing anything. He was like off in a corner somewhere, whatever the fuck he was doing over there with a yeah, yeah, getting water from the cops. There, yeah. there you go. Maybe, yeah. maybe, yes, maybe. Okay. But he wasn't actually engaged in any kind of violent activity of any kind. Mr. Rosenbaum who had been in conflicts with militia members that were also there to defend Kenosha that night, um, was screaming, belligerent. Again, he was mentally ill, and he was he was kind of pushing himself into conflicts all night. I mean, there's video of him, and like I, you know, I talked about this infamous video of, of the white Mr. Rosenbaum screaming, basically, sorry for those of, the, those of you out here who were offended by this, but he said, he kept screaming, shoot me, nigga, shoot me, nigga. And this is a white boy screaming uh, for somebody to shoot him earlier on in that evening. He attacked Kyle Rittenhouse. He approached Kyle Rittenhouse. And then Mr. Rittenhouse shot him four times. 
the only thing at issue here is if he physically tried to do something in that moment or Mr. Rittenhouse just thought his space was being invaded and decided to shoot Mr. Rosenbaum, which again, understand your ground laws, is legal. We're not going to argue about whether morally that's right or not. Right? No, I, I understand that. And, and again, from a self-defense standpoint, I get it. But again, no, no one was asking him to be there. He was looking for trouble. That's all I have to say. Okay. What did you think of the of the case and the way that it was presented by both sides, by the prosecution, by the defense? I know you had some opinions about the judge. Maybe you could expand on that a little bit more and tell me what you think about that. Because I was just watching some of the cross-examination, reviewing that again, some of the examination of Kyle Rittenhouse. And the only thing that I will say before I let you kind of speak on it a little bit and then I'll give my own opinion is that the, that's that kid's one of the most well-coached witnesses I've ever seen take the stand in pretty much my entire life. He oh yeah, he, was, he, he was fantastically coached by by the defense lawyers. Fantastic. Well, because well, he was already a cause celeb. All he had to do was just cry. He's 18 years old, and he's already being billed as, you know, this innocent, sweet little boy. That's not so. What, that's not what I mean, though. That's what what, what I mean. do you mean? What do you mean then? The whole the whole crocodile's tears thing, notwithstanding, which I don't believe those were real. No matter how much he might have been traumatized by that evening, he was off doing whatever, partying, hanging out enjoying his newfound celebrity just a couple of days after he shot these gentlemen. So I'm not going to believe for a second that like this kid was just, you know, it took him a year or whatever for the emotion of that night to finally break through the, him reliving that night was what made him emotional again. He's been reliving it probably every single day since it occurred. I would assume if you, you know, shot and killed two people that that would be something that sticks with you. Self-defense or no. I yeah. could be wrong, but, you know, I would figure a day or two after, you know, killing two people, especially in the situation that you just came out of, maybe you might want to lay low for a while. Maybe think about what you did. I don't know if I'd be out partying or saying, hey, let me go outside and do some. I, 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 I don't know. This, this, I'm just pissed off. I'm sorry. I just, it just, I don't know. This whole thing just goes to show, again, I mean, I know you're, you know what you know the question you asked but it just it just shows at least to me that the way that this system is working based on the laws it, something's got to change i mean if it's not if, if it's not if it's not a matter of the law being properly written then you know what it's a default of the system well, because which, which law do you think was was maybe unjust not unjust but like not well proper. i mean if well in the no. i mean if i mean the intentional homicide let's just say if you want to break it down you know i, I don't know if there's i mean you're going to go into gray area and see the second you say self-defense it turns everything into a gray area because you can't be you're not in someone's heart you're not in someone's mind as far as what their true intention was you know and, and again i i hear what you're saying as far as him fearing for his life. He has objects thrown at him. Somebody is coming up to his face, I guess, and, you know, saying what they say. That's not disputed. He was chased and he was hit with it. He was attacked with a skateboard. It's not a gun. I get it. It's a weapon. It's, 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 it's being used as a weapon. Understandable. If you're a 17 year old kid, I mean, I got to give him the benefit of the doubt. If you're a 17 year old kid, some kids attacking you with a fucking skateboard, whether you should have the gun or not, is another topic again i want to try to stay away from that until later on in the conversation but yeah like you're going to use that fucking thing to get whoever is attacking you 
off of you in that moment. And if somebody approaches you with a gun and you have no idea what their intentions are, whether to be fair, talking about intentions, whether they say that they have no intent to use that gun or not, as Mr. Grosskreutz said in this case, he said he had no intent of using the gun on Kyle Rittenhouse. You don't know that in the heat of the moment. He also admitted that he pointed it at him. So in the heat of the moment, I guess I kind of understand where Mr. Rittenhouse is coming from. We can differentiate this from a police officer, and I want to do that now because I want to make sure that we have that distinction. A police officer should be trained to make that decision and make the right decision in that case and not always do what we know the police tend to do, which is get trigger trigger happy and start fucking shooting people. A 17-year-old kid does not have that training, does not have that ability or experience or maturity to be able to do it in that moment. So... Again, notwithstanding the fact that he should not have been there with that gun, in my opinion, I agree with that. What Again, what, what are the issues with the charges? I mean, because for me, I'll put it to you this way. I think that there were some things that they could have, have done something with. The, the possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18, it was tossed out by the judge because of the, the vagueness of the law in Wisconsin. But the reality is that there's there's definitely some way that a, that a solid prosecution case could have at least gotten him on something like that, or reckless endangerment, because you could make the argument that again, which they tried to make but didn't make very well, that he should not have been there in the first place. But if you watched any of the prosecution, I don't know if you had a chance to do that. I as far as I as me saying that Kyle Rittenhouse is one of the best best witnesses I've ever seen on the stand in a case like this, in a high-profile case like this, the prosecution is probably the worst prosecution I've ever seen in my life in a high-profile case of this kind. I'm sure that you and anybody who's listening has already seen or at least heard of the infamous incident where the prosecution was attempting to use the defendant's silence, a legally and constitutionally protected right to make some sort of point in the courthouse that in all this time... Since the incident happened, he hasn't said anything about the incident. That's number one. Uh, Number two, I mean, these are just small examples of how poorly equipped the prosecution was. There was a a moment where they attempted to tie Kyle Rittenhouse playing Call of Duty with his friends to him being some sort of reckless, murderous young man. And I'm pretty sure that we got over that in the 90s when people were complaining about freaking the matrix and doom and all these violent games, I thought we were over this idea that violent video games are what create violent young individuals. I I didn't know that there was some prosecutor out there who still thought that that was a viable strategy in a courthouse case. Did you get a chance to see any of this, any of this, this case or read about it? No, I, no, I saw, I saw bits and pieces. I mean, even to the point where the judge almost declared a mistrial. You yeah. know, I mean, that was that was kind of another telltale sign as well. Right. I mean, if, if the prosecution is trying to uh, disclose evidence that the judge essentially said not to, regardless of <laughs> whether or not you think it should have been disclosed, mm-hmm. um, that didn't really help the, the prosecution's case either. Also, the prosecution kind of I think they kind of felt there were you know, between a rock and a hard place as far as the nature of who they were trying to defend. Um, Why do you say that? Because I don't, if I recall, I don't think that the prosecution never mentioned Black Lives Matter or essentially the reasoning behind, like specifically the reasoning behind why 
the victims could possibly have been in Kenosha that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did that essentially because they knew the Drew that they were working with, the potential Drew that they were working with. Um, that, you know, that that's that's a delicate topic of conversation. You don't know how a jury would take that, especially a jury that most likely would be majority or all white. And, uh, in, in, you know, in those parts of the country, prosecution, I'm sure, probably felt maybe if we were to fold that into the case, it might not have done them any favors, um, which kind of discounts and discredits the nature and the reason for why everyone was there that night. I mean, you mentioned it before. People have to also keep in mind the reason and the nature for the protests. Right, uh, you know, a, a white police officer or a police officer in general uh, shot a black man again in self-defense. The police officer felt he had something in his hand, and well, that gave him the grounds to shoot. So it's awfully strange that the reason why we're protesting to begin with, and then this situation happens on top of. <laughs> The Ahmaud Arbery situation that's going on. There's another trial that's happening in Georgia mm-hmm. that's unrelated, but there are parallels to this case. It's it's just there are a lot of things that the prosecution. I think I I, I do agree with you. They 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 could have either reframed. They could have made a better argument, a better case for. Um, it it just seemed as if. There were some cases, some charges that were winnable, or at least the jury could have met the you know met them halfway on. But it it, it just well here's here's something specific because one of the counts of first degree recklessly endangering safety was video showing an unknown man leaping at Rittenhouse and trying to kick him before Anthony Huber moves in and 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 skateboard towards him and tries to attack him. So he shoots two rounds at this person. Nobody knows who that person was. Um, you know, there was another another situation where the other count of recklessly endangering safety is that somebody else was in the line of fire when he shot uh, Mr. Rosenbaum. So the the charges of recklessly endangering safety were the situation in which he discharged his firearm in that he put other people in danger besides the people that he was trying to defend himself against. Well, that's the reason why they chased him more or less. Right. I mean, they thought that he was an active shooter and that he was the threat written house. Yes. Right. So when they go and chase him, allegedly, at least. Oh, 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 yes. Allegedly. We'll right. Allegedly. So when they, you know, when, when they're chasing after him, after he shot the first person, um, they're trying essentially, well, again, this is, we, we, we don't know for sure. But what was argued was that they chased after him pretty much to try to detain him because they thought that he was a threat. And, well, he ended up shooting, you know, one or two other people and killing one of them um, and seriously injuring somebody else. So a lot of lines were crossed. A lot of miscommunication had gone on. Um, there were there was video, as I mentioned before, you know, earlier of him talking to some police officers, Rittenhouse earlier. Um you know, just conversing about the evening being offered water by police Rittenhouse as he's being chased. There are police officers that are trying to run towards the scene in order to, 
I would assume calm the situation down. Um, he puts up his hands, Rittenhouse does, saying, all right, well, with the weapon in his hand, and the cops just drive right past him. From what I understand, at this, at this point, the police were already aware that there had been some shootings and were moving towards the crowd in order to try to figure out and, and start investigating the shootings. So, yeah, in that moment, that moment is one of the ones that makes me scratch my head the most. I kind you of figure the guy with the gun might have been a suspect. Just you say know, it. I kind of understand, like, like... You know, I've said a lot about this on social media, wherever else. And like, look, I don't think this kid's a fucking hero. I think everybody that showed up there that night and everybody was in, that was involved in that incident is a fucking moron. Kyle Rittenhouse, Rosenbaum, you know, Grosskreutz and Huber were all fucking idiots for getting involved in this situation and for escalating a situation they shouldn't have been involved in. If you think somebody's a fucking active shooter, don't run towards the guy. Go get yeah, the go chasing. I, I, you're right. Don't go chasing towards an active shooter. For whatever, that did, whatever that didn't help the are on police, if there's an active fucking shooting going on, don't be a hero. Don't be. Just don't be. Just don't do it. And that's literally, Mr. Rosenbaum. I think, like I said, he was he was not lucid. He was not in the right mental state. He just he just was looking for trouble because he wasn't well. Okay. And it's kind of sad because, not to get too far aside, but you always hear when it comes to gun violence that we don't do enough about mental health. Well, there you go. There's another fucking example. I didn't see anybody saying like, and this is is the, you know, we're going to have an episode soon where we talk about the hypocrisy of the left, quote unquote. But this is one of those situations where the hypocrisy of of the right is glaring. We talk about doing all of these things for mental illness, but when a mentally ill man gets shot, in an incident of gun violence that doesn't enter into the conversation. He had a criminal record. He was this, he was that. They basically like treated these suspects or these victims or whatever you want to call them, Mr. Huber, Mr. Grosskreutz and Mr. Rosenbaum. They treated them like any black person would be treated in an incident like this. They tried to look for all of the negative things that they had done in their past, which (laughs) in, in the moment, it wasn't like Mr. Rittenhouse was looking at their fucking criminal records when he decided to shoot. So that is the most disingenuous argument on the fucking planet to me because, no, everybody's like, oh, he took out a child molester, he took out this, he took out that. You didn't know that. You wouldn't have known that. And the other, the other thing that's kind of interesting is I wonder how many people would have sent their 17-year-old child willingly to go into a situation like that to police the situation. That's where it gets into, beyond the legal ramifications, that's where it gets into, a, like, what kind of a person are you? You know, what kind of parent are you? you you're gonna, you're gonna sign off. Granted, the mother claims that she know that he was going up there, or whatever. But again, no, no, no. That that was that was clarified in the trial. She went to pick up his sister, and he he refused to go back. So she knew he was there. She knew he was there. She didn't drive him there. I don't believe, uh, which is which was the original story that she drove him there and then left him there. But he and his sister were there. She went and picked up his sister when she thought the situation was getting dangerous and decided to leave her son with a rifle there because he didn't want to go back home. So, Your real mother of the year. I mean, <laughs> look, the kid has a gun. What are you going to tell him, right? He might shoot you at that moment. <laughs> well, it, well, hell, it'd be in I'm self-defense kidding. if she did, right? if she did approach him, right? Because that seems to be something that you can get off on regardless. And that that was the situation that we had here. All right. Well, I mean, I guess this kind of, I mean, there there are one or two doors this can open as far as as far as I would say not necessarily what's next, but 
I would say that, and that's what we're going to talk about next. I would absolutely say that. Okay. I would 110% say that. I guess the last thing I have to say about the case, which was, I'm sure a lot of you who are, are listening have seen this already and have already formed your own opinions. Speaking of on the prosecution again, like it's not a good sign. Two things are not a good sign. Number one, when you're making an argument, you're trying to make a point or you're trying to advance something in the courtroom. And it is, as we saw, shut down by an objection or shut down by the judge. And your strategy as a prosecutor is to continue to lean on that same point. You were not prepared at all for this case. I don't know who these gentlemen were. I don't know who these prosecutors were. I don't know how they prepared for this case. But my thought process is that they were a little too confident that this would be an open and shut case and that there would be no issues with getting this young man convicted for these crimes. Based on what, I don't know. Because even, you know, no matter how much I think he was in the wrong for going there, I knew that this was, and you knew this wasn't a legally open and shut case for them to prosecute him. For, it, it never is in these situations. Mm-hmm. All I'm going to say is, to me, Please. if... <laughs> I, I, I won't elaborate, um, but all I will say is if if Kyle Rittenhouse were a black kid, a person of color, I don't think there's any way he's making it out of Kenosha that night, period. I think to, I, I, oh, please. Yeah, I, well, shit, didn't the cop shoot another black man from, like, earlier? I mean, if, if you're going to shoot Jacob Blake on the thought that he has a weapon in his hand and in self-defense, can you imagine if, if, if Black Kyle Rittenhouse had run down the streets of Kenosha with the, with the rifle on his back? He'd have been... <laughs> shit. Hands up, don't shoot, wouldn't have applied in that situation. He had his hands and, up. And, he, and he's running, and then... It, it, well, I mean, has it worked in the past? No, it hasn't. All right, then. I am playing a little bit of devil's advocate on that last point, but I understand where you're coming from. I mean... No... <laughs> Fernando, I'm sorry. I, Fernando Castile had a, had a legal firearm in his car, and he got blown away. So. And he told the police officer, "Hey, I have a legal firearm. I ha- I'm, I don't have it in my hands. I am notifying you." And he still got shot in self because the cops claim self defense. I mean, you can't win. You can't win in this country. But maybe that's the way the system was designed. Right? Maybe that's just the way it was. All right. The system is working the way it was supposed to. So let's get into let's 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 lean off of this topic here because I think that the point that I wanted to continue with in the second half of this conversation is legally Oh before you go I was gonna say before before you go, like one last thought. I would have assumed a case like this would have been one where you sequester a jury. I don't know why the jury was allowed to go home every night mm-hmm. in order to be influenced by other people that they work with, that they live with, friends and family. They can go and watch TV. Mm-hmm. They get every single opinion from Fox News to CNN, MSNBC, and everything in between. Other, yeah. You mean to tell me that at, none of these jurors went home and they didn't watch the television? They didn't see what was going on in this case. The things that this judge had said that were inadmissible – in the trial, you don't think that these jurors went home afterwards, saw the news, and said, "Hey, that's what happened in the courtroom today." Holy crap! I'll put you know, and 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 not even think about that or have that in the back of their mind as they're trying to to determine or deliberate this case. I'm 
I, I don't know. Something as high profile as this, you'd figure there would be a sequestered jury. You wouldn't want any outside interference, any outside influence. I, I, it, I'm, it baffles me and it boggles my mind. It's the biggest case in the world probably right now, by far. You know, and, and you don't know, sequester a jury. I say that sadly with Ahmaud Aubrey's case taking place at the same time. I, I was about to say you uh, you have – and then you have an essentially the other side of the coin where you have a black man that was hunted down by white men in, in Georgia who are also claiming self-defense after they chased him jogging through a neighborhood. I mean, self, I mean, self, I, I mean, self-defense seems to be – well, well, I mean, hell – well, I mean, you're, those you're, are those those are the best two words in the English language if you're trying to shoot a, a person of color. It seems. Here's a fun I don't know. The state law in Wisconsin says that if it's not your property, you cannot, you you are not legally allowed to use deadly force, which is something that they clarified in the courtroom. The prosecution clarified again. I don't really know what they were attempting to do, but they tried to clarify that that Kyle Rittenhouse understood that defending property did not require. Or was was it was not legal to use lethal force? But again, that was in trying to establish that he was there to defend property, which he didn't do. So legally, it didn't matter. All he did was defend himself. So trying to make that distinction that he understood that self defense was only legal in, or that that using that weapon was only legal in matters of self defense, which this situation was, which is again was a stupid stupid point by the prosecution like i said they weren't nimble they just all right this is our strategy yeah they just lead yeah they lead on to one or two strategies never and never budged oh and here's another fun thing that i'll say about the courtroom case before we move on to like how we feel about this and in a more general context it's not a good sign either when you're in the courtroom trying to make your point and you can visibly see the gallery and people in the audience face palming as you try to make your point, because if you watch, <laughs> if you watch the case, there's so many instances where random people in the background are just like, I can't believe this idiot just said that one way or another, one way, again, whether you're rooting for Kyle Rittenhouse or not, and you're watching the prosecutor say some of the things that he said, like, oh, like, how come you didn't say anything about the case? Oh, well, because he has a constitutional right not to, you fucking moron. That's why he didn't say anything about the case. And you see people face palming like, bro, like, what are you doing? Why are you like driving this possible case where you can get Miss Kittle maybe something 10, 15 years, make an example to an extent, say, hey, people should not be taking weapons of war to protests and trying to police them. That is a bad precedent to set. That is why the, that is why I think most people generally wanted something to come of this case in terms of a conviction, because I think most people, reasonable people understood that, yes, he was defending himself, but should he have been there? I know you already said he shouldn't have. Can you elaborate for me a little bit more about how you feel about that point? About what? The fact that he was there? He was there. We're not even talking about it legally anymore. Now we're going to talk about the ramifications, the implications of the fact that he was there and what happened that night. Well, we can we can say this kind of opens up a slippery slope, right? I mean, for any protest that occurs, Al Sharpton was on Meet the Press earlier today, and he kind of had a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Amai Arbery case uh, in Georgia, there were uh, there was a protest that had occurred a couple of days ago with uh, many, many, many black pastors, mm-hmm. uh, and it's on solidarity to essentially protest peacefully in support of my Arbery and his family. 
And Alex Sharp had a point this morning where he basically said, so, you know, we had to, we had this, this protest, you know, a couple of days ago, if any white person in Georgia basically felt threatened or thought that we were rioting in quotes, not protesting, they could have just brought a shotgun over to that place and essentially started railing on people and, call, and claim self-defense. You, 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 exactly you have to. I sort of agree I, with that point, but that's not exactly what happened. What, what did but, happen? Here's the, here's where I kind of agree with him, but I kind of don't see the point in exactly the same way as he's, uh, as he does. Like you said, if you're walking around the streets brandishing a rifle, that is generally going to make people in this situation uncomfortable, in a situation that's already about as bad as it could be in terms of tension, okay? But it, it, it in, in a way, it's kind of even worse because he does not have to go there and start wailing on people. Somebody could simply like say that they feel threatened by him and approach him in the wrong way. They don't even have to attack him necessarily. And depending on where you are, depending on what state you're in, depending on whether the stand your ground laws apply or not, generally they can go to a protest. They don't have to start trouble. They can wait for somebody to start trouble from the protest, so to speak, yeah. and then start wailing on them. So in, in essence, they don't have to provoke the situation. The weapon itself is the provocation. And then the fear that that weapon creates in those people at that protest who are there because they are afraid of white people with guns, by the way. That is where the provocation enters into this and makes it a tougher situation. It's not exactly that white people can just go and start shooting people. If they started doing that at a protest, you rest assured that they're probably going to go to jail. Well, I'll say start, if they just start look, firing. Look, not at this one yet. Look, at the, well, hey, I mean, at this point, I mean, well, shit, every, look, I don't even know anymore. You know, you, 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 you would think, hey, the law works in one way. And yeah, legally, you're absolutely right. But to me, it seems as if there's, apparently there's two, there's two laws. There's, there's, there's one for people of color, and there's one for whites in a lot of instances. So you can say what you want to say as far as from a legal standpoint. It don't look that way to me and people who look like me in a lot of instances nowadays. It just seems as if you can walk down the street and, well, you can look at somebody funny. Someone can claim self-defense, and next thing you know, they have a case. So I understand what you're trying to say, but right now emotions are a little high. I, it, it, I, it, it just, I, it, it just, it, it just, it just angers me. It just really does. You know, the more that you think that we've evolved as a society, evolved as a country, you realize you know we're right back to square one. And it just, it just, you just, you wonder how much more of this you can take. You wonder how much more of this you can say things need to change, but you can't, how, how do things change when you can't even reason with the other side? What when, when, you, when, what? What, is, what specific change are you talking about in this situation? Well, okay. I mean, let's, let's, let's say as far as the laws, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, you know, we're, we're talking about how, how vague the laws were in order to get in, in order to get more specific laws, not even whether it's for self-defense, whether depending on the context, you know, that requires how, you know, working within the system in order to change that. But we're not going to wait for laws. That's not going to happen, especially not in Wisconsin. I don't know. Well, think. like, I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm not really holding my breath for that to happen. So, you know, how, how do you work within a system that's not willing to work with you? And I think that's the question. And I think that's kind of the question that, you know, you can, I don't know how you can answer that question. 
I, I think certainly that this kind of gives more more fuel to the fire that is the the second American Civil War without saying outright like, hey, we're fucking plunging into a civil war tomorrow. Like when you have these incidences where people are just able to violently take out their disagreements on each other and hey, nobody goes to jail. A couple of people die. You know, like this kid gets a slap on the wrist. He's going to go be a, a, a CPAC celebrity now. He's going to have internships with Matt Gates. Like, I think that the bigger <laughs> problem I have actually, so here, so here's the thing with me, okay? Let me try to clarify this as best as I can. I don't have as much of an issue with my conservative friends, quote unquote, stating that Kyle Rittenhouse acted in self-defense. I don't have a problem with that. They're not wrong. Legally, they're not wrong, okay? They're Should not we, wrong given the context of the situation. I agree. Legally, they ca- you cannot argue that point. Here's where as bullshit as it is, you can argue the point. No, I don't think it's a bullshit point. I don't think it's a bullshit point. I think it's a fair point. I think where it turns into bullshit is when you have, and I saw this earlier today, I could send this to you, on on conservative Twitter, there are pictures of this fucking kid in like Captain America outfits. When when you take this situation where nobody is right, nobody was right in the situation. I will say that again and again and again and again. Mr. Huber, Mr. Grosskreutz, Mr. Rosenbaum, and Mr. Rittenhouse were all to fault, not to mention the police that night. Maybe we'll get into that in a couple of minutes. But everybody that was involved in that situation was his fault. There were no heroes. There were no good guys. So to paint Kyle Rittenhouse as some sort of hero is the problem, especially when you consider that the reason they are painting him as a hero is not because he defended himself, okay? That's not the distinction. The reason he's a hero is because he went to Kenosha, he shot a couple of pedophiles, he shot up some BLM protesters, and he stopped the evil left from destroying our cities. It's that narrative that these men, who again were not charged with any kind of rioting, damage, or anything else, again, I'm referring to Huber, Rosenbaum, and Grosskreutz, they were not charged with any kind of rioting or any kind of crime. The only thing that they were, if anything, charged were was staying out past curfew, which Kyle Rittenhouse was also charged with, by the way. And that was he was that that case, that was also dismissed. And that was also dropped. Go figure. Also dismissed. But then again, they didn't prosecute anybody who, from the other side, so to speak. Understandable, but curfew. they probably might have done that so they didn't have to have like any any issues where they had to save face. I don't know, but again. That is where it gets into scary territory. To say that everybody was in the wrong, as I am trying to do, I feel is the right way to look at this situation. To say that these men that Kyle Rittenhouse shot were evil liberal monsters and he's fucking conservative Captain America, that is where I start to worry. Like I said, self-defense is one thing. Self-defense can be claimed in every situation. It's horrible and it's bullshit in some situations, like when you want to talk about, say, George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin. Well, no self-defense. And that's an issue of Florida law. If anybody even steps to you funny in Florida, that shit, you could shoot them and stand my ground. Imagine if they did just shit in New York, bro. Holy shit. Everybody in New York City would be dead if we had stand your ground laws. I don't know about well, we had, well, we had to stop and frisk. I mean, you could essentially stop anybody just on suspicion of looking shady. No, no, but, and, I'm, but I'm saying, like, if, if we had stand your ground laws, every single... Like, no, I know, but I'm law, just saying... It would, be no, the, I, it would be raised to the ground. Like, every time anybody stepped to anybody, they get shot and they get off with it. 
Like, well, uh, in, in in certain parts of this city, probably more so than others, yes. But right. Well, that's why staying your ground laws are stupid. Again, that's another conversation. But when you're talking about these laws and how they exist, but within the legal framework, again, the kid didn't do anything necessarily wrong within a common sense framework, within a better angels of humanity framework, within a actually going there to help as opposed to going there to for trouble i mean what what help was he going to provide exactly like i said no one expected him to save the day (laughs) and uh, look bottom line this kid is is damn lucky that he wasn't being tried for being a moron because at the very least he should have been charged for that and he would have been found guilty sad to say you can't you can't be tried for being an idiot but you can be tried for other things where you can get well exonerated as in the five charges, excuse me, the four seven, with the fifth one being dropped. Seven total counts of five charges, actually. Yeah, that's right. So so that's what happened in this situation. Now, as far as ramifications, again, I can see this turning into any conservative that has a grievance is going gonna, is gonna to start acting in, in, in ways that are very much in line with vigilanteism. We're going to have a whole bunch of conservative Batmans out there on the streets. Um. I do want to bring this up, though, and I don't want to get too far into this because this case is still ongoing. We may actually end up talking about this in a couple of weeks. Who fucking knows? But I think the the bigger danger we have here, yes, there's a huge danger in enabling young men like Kyle Rittenhouse to go out there with a fucking gun and enter into these situations, especially when protests are more common. People are, are putting their voices out there more and more than ever in the last couple of years. We had the largest protests in history for when we're talking about black lives matter last year, you're going to have a lot more situations where these powder kegs are going to explode, especially when you have police that are antagonizing protesters all damn night and making it a point to antagonize them and doing nothing about the, the militia members that are standing there with guns that have no legal right or standing to be there as any kind of, whatever, public police or anything like that. There was no reason for them to be there. They were welcome. They were given water. They were allowed to do whatever it is that they were allowed to do. And that kind of ties into what my bigger worry is. Because if you get a situation in the Ahmaud Aubrey case where, okay, we have situations where it's clear cut that the police have done something very, very wrong, right? You have Eric Garner, you have Philando Castile, you have police acting in, in responsibly, inappropriately. We're used to that shit. We're used to them getting away with it. If you create a situation where these men attacked a black man who was doing absolutely nothing, absolutely, he wasn't. Oh, he was doing something. He was jogging. Apparently that's a crime now. Well, that's what I'm saying. If If they get off and they are acquitted, I think that the consequences in, in terms of how people will see this case you're going to get a lot of white supremacists out there. They're going to start pulling them fucking nooses out of the closet. They're going to get real emboldened by this. If Ahmaud Aubrey, if the Ahmaud Aubrey case ends in acquittal for those men, again, without getting too far off the topic that we're talking about today, it's going to be a hell of a lot worse in terms of societal ramifications. You think I have any, you think I'm keeping, I have my hopes up for that case? (laughs) All right. I mean, do, you, do you do you feel that there's going to be 
some form of justice, quote unquote. I mean, I, I mean, should I get my hopes up? I mean, should I? Well, based I on what we've seen legally thus far, I think again we already discussed the fact that in the Kyle Rittenhouse case, we knew nothing was going to happen there. Well, when you saw the case, you knew the prosecution was dropping the ball. Well, I did read uh, an article where apparently one of the uh, defendants had reached out to the prosecution to try to uh, get a plea deal and was rejected. Mm-hmm. So the prosecution in this, in the Arbery case, I assume think that they have a better chance of winning uh, given the facts. But again, I'm not holding my breath. Granted, yes, the law, you know, the way that everything happened in Wisconsin, the deck, the deck was stacked against the prosecution for better or worse, as far as how they prosecuted the case. You would you would hope that this would be somewhat more open and shut in the Arbery case than the Rittenhouse one, but like I said, I I I don't even I don't even know what to believe anymore. I, I, as far as to have the hope to say, okay, well, maybe somebody would say, hey, just weeding through all of this. Bottom line, you know, a man basically was shot and killed for running through a neighborhood for jogging for exercising. So, like I said, given the nature of Ferguson, Eric Garner, George Floyd, Kenosha, et cetera, et cetera, I, I, I mean, should I, should I keep my hopes up? We say every, every, every time you would figure the law is in your favor, well, we always find out, well, apparently not on some sort of technicality, on the way the law is written, on one thing or another. There's always, there's always a catch. So why would I expect anything different in this case? Even if it's so obvious and it's so glaring, they should be found guilty. I mean, well, hell, you know what? I'll believe it when I see it. I think I think we're going to wrap up this conversation here. But I think that the one thing I want to say in closing is, if you tie the societal implications of these two cases together, and let's take let's take the Albury case to a conclusion in our heads. And let's say that I, I feel that there'll be a conviction in this case. I do. I have confidence that they'll convict these gentlemen. Well, I'd like to know if this jury is sequestered or not, because it's a good question. The I mean, they might be influenced, and I'm sure that again, these these trials are happening at the same time. I whatever happened, the way the Rittenhouse trial has you know uh, you know has has played out, that might impact how this trial has played out. A lot of people have said. Hey, they were expecting riots in Kenosha the other night, right? When the, when the verdict came down because it didn't go in the favor that other, that some people would want. I if a sequester if a jury for the Arbery case is not sequestered and who's just you can't stop them from watching the news, right? So watching something like that, reading something like that, I'm sure again you're a human being. These are outside influences that do impact how you feel. So I I, I really would like to know. If this if this jury is sequestered, and I mean, well, hell, if they're not, you know, I I, I wouldn't say it's a failure of the legal system, but it, it would it would definitely make me question and scratch my head if the outcome wasn't anything other than guilty. It's not a failure of the legal system. It's it's a failure of judgment, so or it's a failure of the or the failure of the prosecution not to prove the cases properly as I guess they could have. But again, self-defense seems to be 
uh, a winning strategy for for the defense uh, for the defense in these uh, in these cases. Hello, so again, I'm not holding my breath. If it is if it is legal for you to carry a firearm in a state and you shoot somebody, it, it seems like self defense is almost always going to work out in your favor. I feel like that's like what we've been seeing a lot of lately. Well, that's I mean that's that. I mean that that's that's one of the, that's the argument, right? I mean, you have the right to defend yourself if you're going to carry, and the situation comes, you'd rather what is it? You know, you, you, you yeah, you'd, you'd rather have the gun, you know, just in case. Uh, you know, I, I, I like I said, I I feel a certain type of way about guns. That's me. I don't see guns really adding anything positive to a situation. I don't know if I feel safer with the gun in the situation if one were to if a situation were to escalate, but. Like I said, that's me in my opinion. That's a topic for another time. If anything. I think we'll see escalation. That's where I want to close it out. Because if, if we see a situation where, where the Aubrey, in the Ahmad Aubrey case, these men are acquitted of the crime of very, 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 very intentional murder in my eyes, and in the eyes of anybody with eyes, <laughs> um, huh. I think you're going to, I think you are going to see protests. I think you're going to see mass protests. I think you're going to you're going to see them in a lot of different cities, and I think you're going to see Kyle Rittenhouse play out all over the country. That's what I'm worried about because, again, <laughs> this 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 is the case where I can the Ahmaud Arbery case where I can very much see a massive swell of very 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 well placed anger if those men are acquitted, and as soon as as soon as black people take to the streets, they're rioters, they're looters. You know, that's, that's the route, that's the narrative. And like you said, anybody who's watching Fox News, anybody who's watching certain news stations that get this idea that everybody that takes to the streets and protests is a rioter and a thug and, and an evil person in some way, they're going to go out and they're going to take matters into their own hands in just the same way that Kyle Rittenhouse did. That's what I think we might see in the next few months if okay. this case doesn't turn out the way that it should. But then again, the way that a case should turn out is a matter of... Well, it's a matter of opinion. There <laughs> you go. Case, well, whether or not the evidence is really clear-cut, we've seen how clear-cut evidence can be turned in different directions in order to, to, to make a different argument. Well, I don't know. Many times. Well, I don't know. I just... I, all I'm going to say is I hope that... <laughs> Someone who has a Confederate flag on the back of their truck trying to chase after a black man just jogging in the middle of the neighborhood during in broad daylight and claims self-defense. All I have to say is I just I just, I just hope it turns out one way. You would think. As far, like I said, I'm not holding my breath. You would hope. I, I <laughs> I've been disappointed before when it comes to <laughs> verdicts in cases that have been high profile. Um I'll believe it when I see it. I think we both will. All right. Let's close it out here. Thanks for joining me again, Question, for another wonderful conversation full of positivity and light. Uh, Oh, yeah. Another one of of those uh, real uh, happy topics again, huh? This is our happy place. (laughs) Our happy place is to be mad about everything. Anyways, thanks for joining us, all of you out there, on this discussion of the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Um, man, I think there's going to be more to say about this in the coming weeks and months. Um, I don't know if we'll end up doing a whole other episode about it, but I have a feeling we're going to have a lot more to say, um, 
if George Zimmerman is any indication of what happens after these kinds of cases. Uh, yeah. Well, chances are you'll probably see Kyle Rittenhouse being a commentator on Fox News. I'd say mm, tomorrow. No, I, I figured they'd probably let the situation die down. Oh no, they probably um, would strike while the iron is hot. Why? That's right. No, no, that's right. He's he's a celebrity for them. That's right. Yeah. He, he he's gonna probably have his own show by Tuesday. You get him now. He's gonna be the next Ben Shapiro. Like basically, he's gonna. <laughs> well, clearly he already has a bright future, right? If he's getting internships from some of America's leading politicians. Hey, hey, look. Sky's a limit for Kyle. Good for him. Say what you will about the kid's common sense, but when it came to sparring on the stand with the prosecution, he was smarter than the fucking prosecutor. So, yeah. Well, maybe hey. he deserves an internship after all. Maybe Congratulations. He maybe he should be a lawyer. I really have no, no idea. He, he and Matt Gaines deserve each other. I don't remember what the hell it is that he wanted to be. No matter. Well, we're not going to talk about Matt Gaines on this podcast. No, he's oh, that's definitely another topic of conversation for another time. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get to you later, Matt. He we'll deserves a no. He deserves his own episode. That's all. I they, they, <laughs> that whole crew kind of deserves their own episode. That's um. Oh, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Mark Ga- yeah, the I mean, uh, Matt Gates's, uh, yeah, Paul Gosar's. Yes, the freedom was it the or the freedom force? I think that uh, some female members of the conservative it. Congress. Or the Republican Party said, yeah. Huh? They actually used that name? I think the freedom – I know where it's from, yeah. I I think that they used the Freedom Force as their – as the anti-squad. I think it's uh, five uh, female Republican congresswomen uh, who – that's the counterman to the squad. The Freedom Force. I'm done. Anyway. Yeah, good night. Disclaimers as usual. We recorded remotely. If the sound was shitty, fuck you. Don't even tell us about it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Give us your feedback. DM us. Slide into our DMs on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters, even the fucking TikToks of the world. We will respond to you. We love to hear from our fans. And of course, the best way to support your favorite podcast crew, always full of joy and light, is to like, rate, share, and subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms and on Apple Podcasts, please. Rate us. Give us five stars. Give us ten stars. Give us as many stars as you possibly can. We really, really appreciate any feedback y'all have. And uh, I guess that's it for this week. Thank you, Question, once again for joining me for another wonderful conversation. And uh, hey, take care out there, y'all. Have a great week. Same time next time. Peace.